Our reading today is in John 20, 19 through 23. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. This is the word of the Lord. Well, I'm speaking to you this morning actually from my backyard. Uh, Normally, I would get a chance to give this sermon in the sanctuary from the pulpit and the place I'm used to, but there's nothing really normal about this Easter, is there? Um, Just a little background on our family. A couple days ago, Becca came down with symptoms that are consistent with COVID-19, and so um, we're waiting to see what that means. But until then, our whole family is 100% quarantined at home which means that like you, this is going to be the weirdest Easter of my life. I'm actually in my backyard uh, wearing a suit, speaking to a camera. <laughs> how, how weird is that? And I mean, it's not just me. For, for all of us, this Easter is not what we planned, right? Easter, like any holiday, is something we look forward to. It's a, a time of celebration. And I think about all the losses that you and I are going through this year around Easter. We're missing out on a chance to be together as a church family. We're missing out on Easter egg hunts to watch kids celebrate and learn about what it means that Jesus was raised from the empty tomb. We're missing out on family traditions and family photos and all the fun that is associated with this holiday. Which brings an opportunity up. Even in the midst of all these losses and all these costs that we're bearing with COVID-19, it brings up an opportunity to ask the question, what is Easter really about? Like, what are we going to miss at its core about Easter? Because if it's just about missing dressing up, or it's just about the food, or it's just about the traditions, well, there's a lot of things that could take those places. But really, at its core, this morning, you and I get an opportunity to be reminded that Easter is about the resurrection of Jesus. And maybe this year, more than any year, we need to be reminded of that message, that Jesus has been raised from the grave for you and for me. Today, we're going to look at a passage from John chapter 20, that looks at how Jesus came and showed himself to his disciples when they were afraid, and how Jesus' resurrection changed everything for them, how it changed not their circumstances, but their hearts. And in that first Easter, we're going to see a paradigm for what Easter should mean for each of us this morning, how in the midst of our own fears and our own insecurities and our own anxieties, the message of the cross and much more the resurrection is the hope that we need. I hope that as we look at this passage from John 20 together this morning, you'll see yourselves in the disciples, both in their very real fears, but also in the peace, the joy, and the mission that Jesus gave them and gives to us today. So if you have a Bible handy, open to John chapter 20, where we're going to be this morning. John includes a number of different resurrection appearances of Jesus, both on Easter Sunday and on the days that follow. In fact, I count no less than six in chapters 20 and 21. But I want to focus on one that happens the night of Easter Sunday, 
where Jesus comes to the disciples in the evening when they're gathered together in a locked room. It starts in verse 19, John 20, verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. I love that. You know, this is the first time that Jesus has shown up and appeared to a whole disciple, group of disciples at once. Uh, it's probably at least 10 there. Thomas is obviously absent. We'll hear about that later in chapter 20. Judas is obviously absent. But it seems like the rest of the disciples, and, and maybe others as well, are in the room, and they're huddled together out of fear and insecurity. And in the midst of that fear, Jesus comes to them. This is really why I want to choose this passage for this Easter Sunday, because I think we can relate a lot to how these disciples are experiencing life, huddled, locked together, and scared. Now, these disciples had a very real reason to be afraid, right? It says they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. And and what John means is the same Jewish leaders who had just executed Jesus, the disciples are scared, will now come after them. And they had reason to be afraid. These leaders of their community, leaders of their nation, had overwhelming power, and they had none. And while they had talked a big game earlier, you know, Peter, Thomas, James, and John, they'd all said, we'll be brave, we'll be courageous. When the time comes, we're not going to run. It's one thing to say that. It's another to stand in the face of death. And they had just seen their Lord crucified on the cross, and they're scared the same thing's going to happen to them. Now, we're going to look at Jesus' response here, and for most of the sermon in a few minutes. But before we get to that, I just want to slow down and acknowledge that the disciples had a very real reason to be afraid. After all, of those 10 disciples that are in that room, at least, nine of them would die for their faith. And the 10th one, John the Apostle, would die in exile. Not much better. The thing that they're afraid of will come to pass. They had a reason to be afraid. And in the same way, though obviously not to the same extreme, you and I have real reasons to be afraid. There's a a condescending thing that we could assume that Jesus said here. We'd assume Jesus would show up and say, what are you so scared of? It'll be fine. Don't worry. I went through it. You have to go through it. But that's not what Jesus is like. Jesus doesn't come to them and say, don't worry. It'll be fine. It wouldn't be fine, at least not from a human perspective. And similarly, Jesus doesn't come to them and say, don't worry. There's nothing that bad to worry about. It was that bad for them to worry about. In the same way for you and I, we have real fears in this season, real anxieties, real things to be concerned with. And that's why we really need to hear what Jesus has to say here in verse 19 and in verse 21. And later when he shows up to Thomas, he says the same thing in verse 26. You know what he says? He says, peace be with you. The very first thing that Jesus says here is a proclamation of peace. Peace be with you. Now, it'd be tempting in that to think, oh, he's just doing a greeting. He's just saying hi, but he repeats it three times. He doesn't want them to miss out on it. In verse 19, verse 21, and verse 26, he wants them to know that the beginning of dealing with our fears is his proclamation of peace over you and over me. How much do you and I need to hear the peace of Christ this Easter? Or to put it another way, how much do you and I need to have it declared over us that everything that truly matters has been and will be set right for eternity. Jesus appears to the disciples in the midst of their fears and anxieties and tells them that he gives them peace. This theme of peace is one that he's talked about throughout the Gospel of John. He talks about it in John 14, just before he goes to the cross. In John 14, 27, he says, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, 
And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. How much do you, you and I need to hear that the peace of Jesus is a gift that he gives? He says something similar at the end of that same uh, farewell discourse in John 16. He says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. When Jesus proclaims peace to the disciples, when he proclaims peace to us, he proclaims it in the context of a gift he has given based on what he has accomplished. Because Jesus has gone to the cross for you and I, because he has risen from the grave, he has accomplished everything that is needed for there to be peace between you and God. Because Jesus has resurrected from the grave, everything is finished. It is complete. And he gives that offer of eternal life to you and I as a gift of peace. Now, if you're listening or watching this morning and you're not a Christian, you've never received that gift of eternal life, that is the beginning of what it means to live at peace with God. That he offers, because of what Christ has done on the cross and because of Christ's resurrection from the grave, parameters for peace between us and God. That if we accept him as our Lord and Savior, we can live at peace with God forever. If you're watching this morning and you're already a Christian, and you say, Bob, I don't experience life with a great deal of peace. Listen to the words from the book of Colossians. Colossians 3, when, he, when Paul says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. This is an, a choice that you and I have to make, that we will choose to live at peace with God. It has been declared true. Jesus has declared it over your life as much as he declared it over those first disciples. That because of what he has done on the cross and your choice to believe in him, that you are at peace with God. But you and I have the ongoing reminder, ongoing need to remind ourselves of that truth, to preach the gospel to ourselves, and to know that in the end, there is nothing that will make you in trouble or the kingdom of God in trouble. There is nothing that will happen in this life that will separate you from the love of God. There is nothing that this Easter Sunday um, can bring or this next season of life can bring that will cause there to be hardship between you and God that if you have received Christ, you are at peace with him. Once Jesus proclaims peace to the disciples, then he goes on to show them his wounds. The next thing that Jesus does in order to help the disciples deal with their fears and anxieties is to show them the reality of what has happened on the cross. For you and I to be reminded on this Easter Sunday of why we do not need to fear or do not need to be anxious we need to be reminded of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And while we can't look at his wounds and touch his wounds with our eyes and our hands the way the first disciples could, we can be reminded of their reality, their helpfulness for us, and their historical significance. When the disciples in verse 20, in verse 20 it says that uh, Jesus showed this, his side and his hands to the disciples. Let me read it for you. Verse 20. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. You know, Easter only comes on the far side of Good Friday. The empty tomb only comes after the cross. It only matters that Jesus is raised from the dead if he has gone to the dead. The only reason that we celebrate that Jesus has come back to life is because he gave up his life for us. 
He shows the disciples his hands and his side for a couple reasons at least. One is to show them that this really happened. This was not a hallucination. This was not uh, a bad dream, but this was reality. He still bared the wounds that they had seen on the cross. And then he shows them not just his hands, which would, would have been common for anyone res- who was crucified, but he shows them his side, something that almost would never have been pierced during a crucifixion, to show them that it is really him. He alone bears these marks as a sign of what he has accomplished on the cross for their benefit and for ours. A- and when the disciples see this, the passage says, they are filled with joy, or they were very glad. The response to the crucifixion of Jesus can be guilt at times, it can be sadness, and those are understandable. But what the disciples realize in that moment is the joy of what has happened on the cross. That their Lord who was crucified is now alive. That the debt that they owed to God has now been paid by Jesus. That Jesus has not only experienced death, but he has conquered death. You and I need to be reminded of that Easter joy this morning. That even in the midst of their fears which were still there, the reason for them to be scared was still there, they could experience joy at the same time when they're reminded of the cross. In the same way, you and I have fears that we're bringing into this morning. And and I can't eliminate those for us. I can't get rid of those. But I can say, look at what Jesus has done and let that bring the same sort of joy to you as it brought to them. Because if Jesus could go all the way to the grave and come out the other side for you and for me, and he offers that to everyone who would follow him, that there is no scar that you can experience that will not be brought through on the other side into eternity with God. To put it another way, there is nothing that can harm you, that can wound you to the point that it will not be brought through to the other side in heaven with God. You will be secure with him forever if you trust in Christ. This joy that we have is rooted in the historicity of the resurrection. That Jesus really was raised from the grave. That, as Yaroslav Pelikan, the historian from Yale, has said, if the resurrection of Jesus really happened, then nothing else matters. And if the resurrection of Jesus didn't really happen, then nothing else matters. That when the disciples saw the risen Jesus, it set into context in their life and for our lives today that because of what he has accomplished, they could have joy in the midst of their fears. Now, Jesus' words the disciples don't end here because he isn't just interested in their safety or security or their emotional well-being, as important as those are to him and, and are for him for you today. They continue, Jesus' words continue, as he sends them out on a mission. In fact, the last part of the passage, Jesus says, because of these things, I want you to know how this is going to impact the rest of your life. This is how Jesus puts it in verse 21. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. You know, the reason Jesus gives the disciples this peace and joy and assurance of their salvation, in part, is because he wants to send them on a mission that would continue to this day. The mission of announcing his kingdom to the nations. For you and for me, the reason that we hear about the message of the cross is in order to be able to be Christ's ambassadors and witnesses to the world. Now, of course, this is too great a mission for these first 10 disciples to bear on their own or for us to bear on our own today. And so Jesus breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, 
this is where you can tell they were not in a COVID-19 lockdown. Because if anyone's breathing on anyone at this point, it's probably not going to go over real well. So Jesus breathes on them, tells them to receive the Holy Spirit, and then sends them in the power of the Spirit to announce forgiveness. This is what he says in verse 23. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. This is a heavy verse. But at its core, what Jesus is telling the disciples is the responsibility from a human perspective is on you to go tell people that they can have peace with God. If you tell them that they have the opportunity to have their sins forgiven, they can have their sins forgiven. But if you withhold that, if you don't proclaim the gospel, then people are going to die in their sin. Now, there's a lot more here. We can talk about this another time in light of what the rest of the New Testament talks about, about the concept of of God making his name known to the nations and his providence and his uh, control over that process. But Jesus is strictly speaking from, from a worm's eye view here to the disciples. You need to announce the reality of the cross and the resurrection to the world. And in a similar way, you and I experience a same mandate today. That you and I have the same responsibility as Christians to announce on this Easter Sunday and on every Sunday um, and every day in between, that, that the cross is for our benefit. The empty tomb is for our benefit. And for everyone in the world to know that Christ has died on the cross for their sins. You and I hold that hope out with joy and with peace and with anticipation, knowing that from every day, from 2,000 years to today, uh, people have responded to the message of salvation in every ch- tongue and tribe and language. Now, there's an understandable question here that says, how are they supposed to go out, right? We're, we're not supposed to go anywhere. And, and of course we're not. Like, I'm not talking about here sending them out in a physical sense uh, or sending us out in a physical sense, but sending us out in the, in the spirit of the mission of Jesus. How do we show the love of Christ and the reality of forgiveness in a practical way? Now, you and I have opportunities to practice this at home in these next few weeks. Because um, if you've been responding to the quarantine like I have, it is really easy to nurse a grudge, to get grumpy, to choose to count wrongs rather than forgive freely. Now, if the purpose of Jesus' mission is that we would announce forgiveness to the nations, one of the first ways we practice that is to forgive people who have harmed us. Jesus reminds us of that in the Lord's Prayer. When he tells us to pray, Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. By the way, I hope you're taking the opportunity as you wash your hands for 20 seconds, numerous times a day, to pray the Lord's Prayer uh, during those times. And to be reminded each time that you wash your hands, have I forgiven those who've wounded me, even as Christ has forgiven me? As Jesus tells the disciples, how often are we to forgive? Not seven times, but 70 times seven. I hope this time of quarantine is a laboratory of forgiveness in your heart so that when it ends and you can go out into the world more freely, that you'll be more ready and more quick and more joyful to talk about the forgiveness you've received in Christ. On the other side, if your marriage is in a hard time because of this quarantine, if you're finding forgiveness really difficult, if you're really frustrated with your parents or with your siblings or with your kids, if you've stopped even confronting them about the things that frustrate you, because you've just become resentful and bitter and stonewalling, man, you and I need to practice the message of forgiveness. If Christ has forgiven us, how much more should we forgive one another? 
And if we find it so difficult to forgive small things, understandable things, even just differences in personality in this world, how can we expect that a holy God would forgive us in Christ? And he has. He has done that because of what Jesus has done for us. So I hope that you're taking this opportunity to grow in forgiveness in your homes as well. Well, when Jesus sends the disciples out, they take his message to heart. The Spirit comes on them. We read more about this in Acts chapter 2 with Pentecost. And they bring the message of the gospel to the nations. And so today, you and I celebrate Easter from our homes, but with people from around their homes from all around the world. We get, to bear the, we get to be the fruit bearers of what was initially started by these first 10 disciples. And we get to celebrate on this Easter morning that Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. That's my hope. I, I pray that that's your hope as well. And on this Easter, I, on this weird, unusual, never hopefully to be repeated Easter, I hope that each of our homes is a place where we announce the gospel afresh to ourselves and to the people we live with. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for the chance to gather uh, remotely this morning and to celebrate the resurrection. God, on this Easter Sunday, we are so in need of being reminded of the hope that Jesus offers us. May each of us be encouraged. May each of us be strengthened. May we live with peace and joy in light of what has happened at the cross and at the empty tomb. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.